The peace of Christ be with you. Welcome to worship on this holy day, this All Saints Day. We're glad you're here. A day we celebrate the sacrament of baptism as well. What a glorious day. As we gather in this place, let's slow down. Take a couple deep breaths that our awareness might open up, that we might recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit with us right here and right now. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. All the saints join in, all the saints join in, singing this heavenly song. All the saints join in, all the saints join in, shouting creation song. Will you join us? All the saints join in, all the saints join in, singing this heavenly song. All the saints join, all the saints join, shouting creation song again. All the saints join, all the saints join, singing this heavenly song. All the saints join, all the saints join, shouting creation song. And now we rise in body or spirit. Let's join together in the call to worship. We gather to give thanks. We gather to remember those who have died. We gather to bear witness to the resurrection. We gather to learn to live lives of presence. All the saints join, all the saints join, singing this heavenly song. All the saints join, all the saints join, shouting creation song one more time. All the saints join, all the saints join, singing the heavenly song. All the saints join, all the saints join, shouting creation song. Now we join us 
Amen, indeed, you may be seated. Again, welcome to this service of worship on this All Saints Day here at Westminster Presbyterian. We're thrilled you're here, whether you come here every week or you're perhaps visiting us and you're new or you're here for a special occasion. Whatever brings you here, we're glad that you're here. If you'd like to know more about this congregation, feel free to grab one of us at the end of the service or look for somebody who's wearing a name tag. Uh, one thing you can do to help us stay connected to you is during the offering, if you would fill out those attendance registers in the pews, pass them down and back. One, you can see who you're worshiping around and greet each other by name after the service. And two, you can leave us your contact information so that we can uh, follow up with you personally. Let's join as one community with one voice in our community prayer, which is printed in your bulletin. Let us pray together. God, as we gather to remember those who died, we feel so many things. There is gratitude for fond memories. There is the ache of loss and absence. There is the uneasy sensation of unsettled relationships. We open ourselves to all the feelings we carry, trusting that you carry them with us. At moments when we remember loss, we also recall the preciousness of this life, and we dedicate ourselves to living well and joyfully, treasuring the gift you've given us. May we work that others might also find joy in living. Amen. And our own prayers continue in quiet. Oh God, we are assured by the voices of children, which are signs of the grace that you cover us in. And so we receive the good news of the gospel that in Christ we are forgiven, that the old has passed away and the new has come. Know that we have been set free, my friends, and be at peace. Amen. Now, having prayed together in one voice, now we're going to share in what's called a bidding prayer. And as I pray, I'm going to give some prompts. And if you, after one of the prompts, want to lift up the name of a person, a place, a community, whatever's on your heart, just say it out loud. Likely several of you will talk at the same time. That's okay, because God will hear all our prayers. So let us be in prayer together. Compassionate God. We gather today with much on our hearts and minds. There is so much in our lives and in our world to celebrate. There is also much to grieve. So we offer you our prayers today, O oh God, trusting in your great love. We pray for those people and places in our lives that bring us joy. My family. We've, we pray for our family and friends, those who are carrying heavy burdens. We pray for those people and places in our world in need of healing. Oh God, we pray for those places and those creatures in creation where and in whom your presence is made known to us. The ocean. 
Gracious God, you hear the prayers of your people, and we give you thanks. And hear us now as together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven. In the time that you gave me, did I give all I could give? Did I love all I could love? Did I live all I could live? Was my faith in your grace strong enough to save me? Did I do all I could do in the time that you gave me? time that you gave me, did I face the devil down? Did I make him turn away every time I stood my ground? If today is the day you should decide to take me, did I do all I could do in the time that you gave me? Oh, and I'll never know it's over, but I want to fly on your shoulders. I might have strayed from the path, I might have gone a little crazy. I like to think I did, did you proud in the time that you gave me. So I have several people to invite forward right now. With any children who are worshiping with us, I'd love for you to come join me at the front. Chase's family, I invite you forward over here to the baptismal font. And our clerk of session, Susan Burkout, I invite you forward. Come on down. Oh my goodness, I see some costumes too. Most excellent, you guys. Most excellent. All right, so today is a, today is a super special day. Some of you maybe have met Chase. He's over there with his family. He's your friend. Okay, so you know Chase. Excellent. So we're going to baptize him today. And why I invited you to the front is so you can get an extra special view of what's happening up close. And a little later on, Rob is actually going to lead you in a special part just for you. But before we baptize Chase, I wanted to show you this because I think this is so super neat. This is a Bible from Chase's family that dates back to, Lindsay, help me here, that dates back to the 1840s. It's really, really old, and it's been in their family for such a long time. And I thought it would be super neat if we read from it just a little bit. Oh, and here it like lists everyone in their family who's been born. It's, oh my gosh, it's so neat. But I thought it would be super cool if before we baptize Chase, if we just read just a little bit about Jesus' baptism from the super special family Bible. So Jesus was baptized, and it says here, and straight away, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. 
And that's kind of what baptism's all about. We remember that we are each special, beloved children of God. So I'm going to go over here to be by Chase. And if you, I hope you can see. If you guys need to move to be able to see, then please feel free to do so. So baptism is the sacrament through which we are united to Jesus Christ and given part in Christ's ministry of reconciliation. Baptism is the visible sign of an invisible event showing the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on God's beloved children. In baptism, God works in us the power of forgiveness, the renewal of the Spirit, and the knowledge of the call to be God's people always. So, Lindsay and Mac, a few questions for you. Do you profess your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you renounce evil, affirming your reliance on God's grace? Do you declare your intention to participate actively and responsibly in the worship and mission of the church? And do you declare your intention to provide for the Christian nurture of Chase? If so, please say, we do. We do. This is really extra special that we're baptizing Chase on All Saints Day. And Lindsay's mom died very recently, and we wanted to have a moment in this baptism to honor your mom, your mom's family. So her beloved uncle is here, and he's going to say just a few words on behalf of Lindsay's mom's family. So I'm going to invite you, Susan, I'm going to actually have him stand here for just a moment and, and share with us. We thank you for being here. Thank you, Bethany. It's a pleasure for me to be here. My name is Rick Koontz. I am the great uncle to Chase and the, uh, the uncle to Lindsay. And uh, I prepared a short letter to read to Chase today just in honor of this occasion. So uh, if I may, dear Chase, as your great uncle, I'm pleased I can be here today to help celebrate the life that lies ahead of you. I'll be gone from this world by the time you reach middle age, but you know, that's okay. It's all part of the cycle of life, as your Grammy and great-Grammy used to say. By the way, I'm pretty sure that both of them are here today in this beautiful, soaring Presbyterian house, a place where both of them would feel very much at home. At two years young, you're very likely to see the dawn of the 22nd century. Chase, are you paying attention? <laughs> um, you may be the first person in our family to ride in a real-life starship. Or maybe you'll be the family's first space tourist. And if you plan on that, I suggest you begin a startup here in Silicon Valley in the very near future to fund the project. Chase, I love your given name, Chase Matthews McConnell. Kind of sounds like a law firm. Well, <laughs> right? Yeah, Chase Matthews McConnell. Well, maybe you'll become a lawyer someday, or maybe a poet, or a dentist. Maybe an anthropologist, or maybe a Nobel laureate. But for the moment, to me, you are simply Chase, or as I like to call you, Chaster. This family's little mister who giggles and chortles, who delights in watching ceiling fans whirl above his head in a Cape Cod bungalow, while the rest of his family watches and enjoys Prosecco. Chase, your one special and precious life is dawning before you as we speak. So I want to offer just a few words of invitation to you from my favorite poet of all time, Mary Oliver. In her iconic poem, A Summer Day, Oliver alludes movingly to the presence of our Creator and challenges all of us to reflect often on the precious and temporal nature of our human experience. She writes, who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean, the one who has flung herself out of the grass, the one who was eating sugar out of my hand, who was moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down, who was gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is, Oliver continues, I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? 
Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? God bless you, Chaster. May you make the most of your one wild and precious life. And remember, you will always be our family's little mister. Amen. Thank you. I'd like to invite the congregation to join me in the Congregational Covenant, which is printed on your bulletin. With joy and thanksgiving, we welcome Chase into Christ Church. Because we are all one in Christ, we promise to love, encourage, and support him and his family. We promise to share the good news of the gospel with him and help him to study, know, love, and serve Jesus Christ. All right, so now is our time as young people in the church to make a special promise because you are the closest in age to Chase. So in some ways, you're the most important friends he's going to have growing up in this church. So. To make a promise to him, will you repeat after me? Will you repeat after me? Yes. You're supposed to say, you're supposed to say repeat after me. Okay, here we go. Chase. Chase. You are our new brother in Jesus Christ. We promise to help you to know God's love and grow up to be caring and helpful. Good job. Now let us sing together. Gracious and loving God, pour out your spirit on this water that it might become living water. In Jesus' name, amen. So I already know your full name, thanks to your great uncle. I come over here. Chase Matthews McConnell, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, that is to say, in the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sustainer, the Spirit be upon you, Chase, child of God, disciple of Christ. So I'm going to ask you to come with me. I want to introduce Chase. So some of you said you had met Chase before, but some of you haven't. So this is Chase. He is your new brother in Christ. That's what you, you're welcome to hold him. We're going to just we're going to introduce you to a few more people here, all right? Glenn, you heard him singing over here today. This is Glenn. This is Chase, your new brother in Christ. Over here, this is Sandra and Elizabeth. This is Chase, your new brother in Christ. <laughs> There's so much to look at. All of these people ready to help you know and love Jesus Christ. All right, we can come back up front now. So I invite us now to read together one of the oldest baptismal creeds we have, united with Christians from across the world, across the centuries. You can find it on page 35 in the front of your hymnal, the Apostles' Creed. Let's read it together. I believe in God.
Let us pray. Loving God, we give you thanks for Chase, for the commitments his family and his church congregation have made this morning. Bless him, we pray, that he may have strength for life's journey, courage in time of suffering, the joy of faith, the freedom of love, the hope of new life through Jesus Christ who makes us one. Amen. One last thing, I have a candle for you. Pardon me. And what we invite you to do is we invite you to light this every year on the anniversary of your baptism to remember this special day. Amen. And you all can now head up to Sunday school with Catherine. Go now in peace. The scripture reading is James 4, 11, and 17. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. Whoever speaks evil against another or judges another speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and destroy. So who then are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you say. Today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a town and spend a year there doing business and making money. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wishes, we will live and do this and that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commits sin. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Her body is disappearing. Though her heart still beats, her breath still puffs a little in, a little out. Her eyes are luminous, and she's still making jokes, jokes about dying, mostly. Being with her now is like trekking on a beautiful new planet, where she is an honored elder, and you are a visitor. This is the most hallowed space you have ever encountered. Someone you love is leaving her life behind. What's left of her is twisted with pain, and there's nowhere else you would rather be. The rapture of the moment is thick enough to seal all the cracks in your own life. She is with her quiet dying, bestowing an explosion of blessings. That's how Mirabai Starr, author of Wild Mercy, Living the Fierce and Tender Wisdom of the, wisdom of the Women Mystics, begins an entire chapter on dying as a spiritual practice, on the sacredness of grief, Those are things that we run from in our culture, but in the church, especially on this day, on All Saints Day, we slow down long enough for the dead to catch up with us and for the blessings that may enter even into this moment. Now, Star doesn't assume all deaths are that peaceful and joyful either for the one who's dying or those who are the attendants. She acknowledges it comes in all shapes and forms, some in due time and some well before their time. She goes on to speak about a baby who is born and dies in the same moment. She describes the mother looking like 25 in one instant in the next 100 she talks about the beloved piano teacher who ends his own life or allows his life to end 
and on and on. Star's point is not to tidy up all of death, but rather simply to open us to that sacred moment. It's so obvious it barely is worth saying, but it's only through the openings that anything gets in. And that's what Star wants, is for something to enter into us, that we could be aware of what might be looming for us even in this moment. Well, you heard a moment ago a passage from James, and it's all wrapped in a shroud of moral teaching and talking about speaking evil and the law and sin, but right in the middle, there's this pregnant truth that we just sort of fly right by. It says your life is like a mist. It's here and then it just vanishes in a moment. You'll find similar passages in the Psalms. If you were here in recent weeks, you heard it in Ecclesiastes as well. And as we said before, I don't think the purpose is to get you to suck the marrow out of life even harder, though that's what we tend to do in this culture, to grab on tighter. It's again to open up to the eternity that fills each and every moment, even, maybe even especially, those painful moments of life and death. Starr says, in our culture, we're conditioned to see death as a failure, which means we're all failures. What an odd orientation. Instead, as a pilgrimage. Isn't that a lovely image? Death as a pilgrimage instead. And today we take an important step on that pilgrimage on All Saints Day, where we honor those who've gone before us that we've lost and loved. After the sermon, you'll have a chance to name those you're grieving this day and to participate in a ritual of remembrance. In doing so, some of your own feelings about death might be stirred up. In our culture, again, we, we sort of run to denial or distraction, just stay busy, not think about it, lest we have to face it, cling on to some hope of something beyond the grave. The church uses some interesting language. I rather like it. When we announce a death, we often say, in sure and certain hope of the resurrection. I love that awkward pairing, sure and certain with hope, which isn't so sure and isn't so certain. But they belong together. It's not a problem to be solved. It's a tension to be experienced. In fact, folks like Starr would caution us against trying to solve it, seeing it as a problem to be overcome or to be conquered or cleaned up or fixed. She warns us about falling into certain traps in the way that we conceive of death that may not in the end be all that helpful. She writes from the ancient Maya to Varyana Buddhism, from Celtic Christianity to Greek mythology, many of the world's great spiritual traditions suggest that when we die we must navigate the challenges of a liminal terrain on our way to everlasting peace. Starr writes, this strikes me as a masculine paradigm. <laughs> Rooted in a martial model, it depicts the soul as a warrior of light in a battle against the forces of darkness. If the deceased prevails, he earns a ticket to a heavenly abode. If he fails, he is consigned to a realm of suffering or at the least becomes lost in illusion. The way of the feminine she says, is to soften, to soften into the arms of the unknown. Death is the ultimate mystery, charged with awe, weighted by trepidation, redeemed by promises of deep rest and true seeing. All we really know is that we do not know. And knowing is not required. Striking deals with gods is not required. What we can do is meet what is with tenderness and curiosity.
I love that. Knowing is not required. You don't have to know. But perhaps we could try together to just meet what is with tenderness, in curiosity. It's freeing, really. Now, that's a book of feminine wisdom, but it's not only a perspective for women. B.J. Miller is a hospice and palliative care physician at UCSF. He works with the dying all the time. He had his own brush with death early uh, as a young man in a tragic accident in which he lost three of his limbs. And since then, he's been working with the dying. And I, I was watching an interview that one of you sent me, actually, the other day, with Oprah. So he's made it. <laughs> and when he was asked about what he thinks happens at death, he gave the most honest answer. He said, I don't know. But more interestingly, he said, I don't need to know. I don't want to know. In fact, he said, I'm kind of relieved that I don't have to know. All that weight to carry. Remember, knowing isn't required. Just facing what is with tenderness and curiosity. And then the moment opens. And who knows what might enter in. I had the experience, the honor, I guess you could say the good fortune, of sitting last Sunday with Mark Buescher as he lay dying. Many of you know Mark, I'm sure. If you need a refresher to your memory, he would sit right over there where his son is sitting today. If Mark wasn't out cycling the hills of Marin or kayaking around Angel Island, you would probably have found him in a church somewhere praying. He prayed in at least two, three, four churches a week. Or you might find him in the church library studying. He's a pious man. So when I went to sit with him and asked him if he had any scriptures he would like me to read, through tired and dry lips, but still that beautiful British accent, he offered up a couple of citations. And then something happened. As I started to read the very first lines of the very first psalm, which is what he requested, happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, Mark interrupted me and without warning finished the line. Of course, in the king's English. But their delight is in the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, I continued, which yield their fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper, he said with closed eyes. The wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, he prayed. And on and on it went. I would start. He would finish. And after we were done reading, we prayed. And I anointed his head with oil. And then we just sat there in the quiet and waited for his son to come to resume the vigil. And after they were kind of settled in, I said, okay, Mark, I'm, go I'm going to leave now, but if it's okay, I'd like to read you one more passage. And he said, okay. And so I started from Romans 8, for I am convinced that death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, and then Mark took over again. <laughs> nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so there we were, 
two pilgrims, not knowing in an empirical sense, but knowing from two different continents, speaking in two different accents, two different generations, two different versions of the Bible, one language, the common language of blessing. And it's there, waiting at the heart of every moment, an explosion of blessing, if we could just dare to meet it with tenderness and curiosity. Amen. In a few moments, you'll have a chance to name someone uh, or some several folks you've lost and loved. And after that, to come and take one of these autumn leaves that I've collected and place it on the communion table. We'll have some silence first so you can be in prayer and allow who needs to come up in your heart to come up. But let me just give you some directions before we do that. After the quiet, I'll just sort of gesture to your section. And if you would like to call out a name, just raise your hand and I'll point to you and you can just call it out. And then after your section has had a chance, you can go ahead and just come up if you'd like and do turn and take a leaf and come and place it on the table. You're welcome to stay there and offer a prayer, but don't be surprised if others crowd around you because we won't do it one at a time. We'll just let people flow continuously. And we'll just go section by section. And so some people will be calling out names and some people will be quietly coming forward, but it'll all kind of work out. Then I'll say a blessing over those leaves and those people who have left an imprint on our lives. And at the end of the service, after the postlude, if you'd like to come forward and take the leaf and take it home with you and release it into the earth in your yard or release it to the sea or press it into a book or whatever helps you honor that loved one, you're invited to do so. But let's first have a time of quiet prayer. We'll start in this small section. The folks you'd like to name? Lindsay, I know you brought some. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. And if you all want to come forward, you, can, you may. You don't have to. Yes, please. My mom, Leslie. Thank you. Anyone else here? Uh, Bill. My sister, Rita. Yeah, Diane. Laura. Lucy. Jim. Jim. Yeah. Mary. Thank you. If you all want to go, you can. I'll come over here. 
Michael. Joan. Thank you. Over here, yeah. Th Thank you, Petey. Thank you, Judith. Were you? Let us pray. Sure and certain hope of the resurrection, O oh God, we commend these, our loved ones, to you. Amen. As we receive our offering this morning, we recognize it's important to honor our saints, to mourn, to grieve our saints, also to celebrate our saints. Celebrate the many blessings that they have brought to our lives. So we're going to sing hallelujah. We're going to sing amen.
It's amazing how close these two fit together, do they not? Grief and joy and celebration. And when you open yourself to one, the other comes bursting in. A few announcements to share as we make our way from worship this morning. On November 14th, a couple Sundays from now, right here at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we will be celebrating the ordination service of Brooke Scott. And so you are warmly invited to be here for that occasion. Again, that's 3 o'clock on the 14th right here. Next week, we celebrate the Sacrament of Holy Communion. And as we've been doing during these times, we're asking you to bring your own elements if you can. We will have some prepackaged ones on hand if you don't. But if you'd like to bring your own, bring it and bring whatever you'd like. Um, I want to thank you. We don't maybe do that enough. We, we're always asking, but we should also stop and say thanks. A couple of weeks ago, we put forward a, a, some desperate sounding pleas, perhaps, to get folks to help us with our live streaming ministry. There are still people who cannot or are not ready to be back in the sanctuary yet, and so that camera in the front pew is a lifeline for them, to you and to this church. And so I want to thank the, a couple of folks who stepped up and agreed to help. We could still use a few more, but um, we had some people step up and I'm grateful for it. Uh, we've got a manual, we can teach you how to do it. If you'd like to add to that, I'd like to find a couple more. Just see me or see Bethany after the service. Uh, stay tuned on all the changing regulations with masks and all of that. I know there's some potential changes coming tomorrow, but uh, it's not as straightforward as it may sound. So we will keep you posted. If you want to give us your feedback on a couple of questions we asked on the back of the bulletin, you can answer those on the bulletin and turn those in. We're trying to do whatever we can to accommodate both what's safest and what people's preferences are, but we don't want to go to all the effort if we find that we don't have many people interested in something. So just, just tell us. If you already answered it, don't turn in two. This is not Chicago. You only get to vote once. Um, and finally, another thank you and a treat 
The Stewardship Commission, that has labored mightily under obviously a difficult year, wants to say thank you. The public campaign is over. I know they're still collecting pledges and some people will be continuing to pledge, but they really want to thank you for stepping forward in faith and being generous in this somewhat of a scary time. So after worship, if you've come up and gotten leave or you're ready to go after the postlude, invite you to make your way into Finley Hall where for the one Sunday of the year you get the whole donut, <laughs> not just the whole. But that is sponsored by the Stewardship Commission as a way of thanking you for your generosity keeping this church flowing. So thank you so much and thanks to them and I look forward to seeing you there. With that, let's rise in body or spirit for our closing hymn. Will you join us in number 785? In deepest night, in darkest days, when hearts are hard, no songs we praise, when silence lost, suffices praise, sounding in us quietly, there is the song of love. Friends, now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day, be with you every day. Alleluia. Amen.